Oh, come on, we do this every week. How you doing? Good. Again, uh, echo what uh, Jeff said. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving to this church. It's a joy to be here. And we're going to do something a little different this morning. Now, uh, last week I unpacked three words for us, gather, grow, and go. And today we really get to talk about the go. And something I really want to be invested in here at the church is evangelism and missions and, and really doing what Jesus said in Matthew 28, go out and make disciples. Let's, you know, leave this building and let's go to places and meet people where they are and really explain and, and share Jesus and the goodness of who he is with the world. Now, today we get to meet and uh, hear from a couple of missionaries that work in our denomination, Drew and Jessica Welch and their family. Now, they're missionaries in Liberia. And they've been doing this for um, some years now. And they're, they're a fun family. I got the experience and the joy of having them. When I was at Creekside in California, they came to the church and they uh, got to share about what they were doing. And so due to COVID restrictions, they couldn't physically come here today. But I got to record an interview and um, a message with them that we're going to get to watch on the screens. And uh, it's, it's great. You know, missions are something that I love to be a part of. And they may be new to some of you. Maybe you haven't gone on a missions trip. But they're not new in the grand scheme of Scripture. In Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus go on his first missions trip. And, and he goes and he, he goes to a Greek city, a uh, number of Greek cities that's described as the Decapolis. And he meets a man who is identified as legion, meaning he is possessed by thousands of demons. And when Jesus, he gets these demons out of him, the man then says, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, stay here and spread the word. And then Jesus goes on again to feed over 5,000 people in this area. That was the first missions trip. And then in John chapter 4, he goes to Samaria, an area no one wanted to go, on a missions trip. And he meets a woman at a well. And so we see throughout scripture all these stories of Jesus going and sharing who he is and the love of God in places that people didn't want to go or weren't familiar with going. And now we get to hear today from some missionaries who are doing this with their lives. So if you're online, you're going to see a link that you can click on to watch it. You're going to be redirected to YouTube. But if you click on it now, you'll be timed up exactly what we're doing here on service. And everyone else here, I would like to turn your direction, uh, attention to the screens. And um, even though they can't hear it, I'd love for you guys to give a big welcome to the Welch family today. Hey, good morning, uh, Welch family. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're, uh, we're thrilled to have you guys with us here and where you can share with us all about um, what you guys do and your, your call to be missionaries in Liberia. So first off, thank you guys for coming today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be with you. So as we get started, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves and tell us all a little bit here at Celebration Center about your family. Uh, I'm Drew and uh, I... My dad was in the military. I grew up in the military, uh, military kid and lived all over the country, but uh, met my wife in Pennsylvania. And that's where our family is from. And uh, I was a public school teacher for 13 years before answering the call to go to Liberia in 2017. And so this is my, my lovely wife. Yeah, um, I'm Jessica. Drew and I, like you said, we met in college and got married, had three children, and now we're on the mission field. So I guess the rest is history. <laughs> but um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Ian. Uh, I'm the oldest out of the three of us. So I'm Kayla. I'm the middle one. <laughs> I'm Kirsten. And I'm the last, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice, nice to meet you guys. As a, um, as a middle child myself, you're my favorite, just so you know, right off the bat. <laughs> Good choice. Oh, nice. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about uh, where were you guys before and how did you guys kind of get your start into uh, missions? And I'd love to have uh, the, the kids kind of chime in on their thoughts when you guys all went on this adventure together as well. Okay. 
Well, a lot of it started with our, our family heritage. My grandparents, Bob and Evelyn Welch, were missionaries in Liberia for 27 years. And my aunt and uncle, uh, Tom and Sherry Moore, missionaries in Guinea. And so I grew up hearing all kinds of missionary tales, um, you know, sharing the gospel in, in Africa. But it really wasn't until college when I rededicated my life to the Lord, uh, where he really began to just speak and lay on my heart that he's called me to leadership in the church. I didn't really know what that meant at the time, whether that was pastoring or uh, being a missionary. But uh, the Lord was able to, you know, through a variety of ways and visions and dreams, prophetic words, and just confirmation between my wife and I uh, to, to answer that call. And I'll, I'll probably share a little bit more about that when I uh, share my heart with you guys a little bit later on uh, answering, uh, answering the call, you know, just being obedient to follow where the Lord is leading. But each of us have had our own kind of uh, confirmation mm -hmm. as to uh, answering the call to, to go to Liberia. But uh, the door was really opened through my grandparents and Liberians that had come to the U.S. and they had formed a nonprofit to help the Liberians and a lot of them are, you know, their family. And uh, they had asked me to come on as a board member and that's what really opened the door. And then gradually we got more connected with Open Bible. And so here we are now, you know, missionaries and uh, helping to bridge um, international ministries, you know, out of Des Moines with our work in Liberia. And so for me, um, you know, having heard all the missionary stories from his grandparents and of course, Tom and Sherry, uh, one of the advice, pieces of advice that Sherry gave me, um, she said, you know, if you guys are looking into going to the mission field, that's great. But you as a mama, you and Drew need to go, the two of you together uh, without the kids and decide for yourself if it's safe you know, for you to take your kids there? Do you feel comfortable taking your kids? And if you can, by all means go. If you can't, then maybe you need to rethink some things. So, um, so in 2016, Drew and I went for about three weeks um, and it was a very eye-opening trip on many fronts, but um, I came home just real, just thinking, you know, I, I, I don't have any problems taking my kids here. Um, and we, we just really felt like it was the Lord. So, um, you know, I know my kids each have kind of thoughts on that, all of that and what that looks like, but we've always involved our kids from day one on the whole, um, you know, being involved with the, it's, it's a mission. We're a missionary family. It's not mom and dad's calling. It's, it's a family calling. And so, um, if you guys want to chime in at all. For me, like, I've heard the stories from my grandpa and he told a lot of them because our grandparents had passed really when we were young. Um, but he told a lot of stories for us, our great grandparents, sorry. He told a lot of stories and then we heard a lot from the Liberians who had fled the country during the war uh, just going to re reunions and stuff. And uh, so that was interesting, but I really, as a kid, never knew we were gonna end up in Liberia and be there and have our own stories uh backstories and things it's it's crazy but um you know mom and dad have always trained us to be ready to for ministry and to pour out our life into the other into other people but uh i don't think we really knew until maybe a year or so before they were like hey we're starting to we're starting to pick up on this and we're we're gonna head to liberia and we're like whoa <laughs> like it just felt, it felt so fast and while i was excited it was nervous I was nervous for a little while, um, but you know, it's it's been a great experience for sure. You get to learn new culture and a lot of new things, and I enjoy it a lot. 
Oh, very cool. So uh, for the kids, what would you say, what is one of the coolest things you would say about being in Liberia? Something that really stands out that you would say, man, if people are going to come visit or just a cool thing that's happened or just something, something really fun that you guys could share. For me, probably one of the coolest things is uh, spending time with the kids and getting to go on adventures. Um, I play a lot of soccer and stuff over there with the boys and I wrestle a lot. And sometimes it's almost to a fault because I end up getting a lot of skin irritations and stuff. But, you know, it's fun. But um, for me, I really enjoyed when we would go off and we trekked back in Bush to uh, Poe River and we went to John Brown Town. So we had to go over these monkey bridges and back in through swamps and all these other places. It was, it was fun. It was really fun. Um, getting to see where our great-grandparents had uh, really lived and ministered to the people. It, it was an interesting experience for me. I, I, that was my favorite part. Um, I think for me, it was just experiencing another culture in general because you, real, you never realize how different other countries are until you go in and see one firsthand. Like you hear stories and you see things like on TV and all this stuff, but you don't realize how many, like even little things are different from them to us. Um, and I think learning their language is kind of fun too. They speak English, but it's Liberian English. So it takes a while to understand. And you, it's basically kind of like learning another language almost. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's just cool experiencing what their life is like and just how they speak and how they, what they eat and how they live. And um, just really cool spending time with people and just a different culture and I just think everything's cool. <laughs> Very cool. Now, um, I know that you guys, when I was working at Creekside in, in California, you guys came and visited and uh, I think one of you had mentioned, what's one of the craziest foods you've had to eat or got the experience of, of eating while in Liberia? Well, uh, I don't know. We've, we've eaten some pretty crazy things. Uh, <laughs> Some of our crazier ones are, we've eaten a couple different types of bugs. Uh, <laughs> they have these little bugs that come around usually after the first heavy rain of rainy season. And they call them bugger bugs. They're basically like termites and they fly and they're just mass numbers everywhere. And so you can stick a light like in a bucket with a little bit of water at the bottom. And sometimes they'll all go straight towards that light and then fall in the water. And then you kind of roast them on the fire and put salt on them. It tastes pretty good. Uh, my mom says it tastes like the, uh, the skin of chicken that you would roast like on top of an open pit fire. It just, yeah, like real crunchy and crispy, um, kind of tastes like that. And then, uh, other crazy thing that we've eaten is they have a bug that they call baboon worms. And it basically is a maggot, um, that lives in a tree and they cook it and I'm not exactly sure, but they cook it probably with salt and pepper and they put their Liberian little hot peppers in it. It tastes pretty good. I got the first one down and then they were like, here, you have another one. And then my mind went to the things wriggling around in the jar before they cooked them. And I had to gag the second one down. <laughs> they wouldn't even try it. And uh, 
the mom of the place we were staying, she didn't cook them. It was her kids that cooked them. And she was like, I wouldn't even eat them. So mom told me this after I ate them. And I was like, okay, well, so much for that. The only reason the Liberian mother wouldn't eat them is because her children cooked them. Not because she wouldn't touch them, but because it was her kids cooking them. Uh, Jessica, I think that's just extreme genius parenting right there. <laughs> Very cool. Um, last question before I uh, turn it over to you guys to, to share just your hearts with us. Uh, what would you say is one of just, uh, real, real quickly, and you may dive into this later, but what would you say one of the biggest, greatest lessons you've learned about yourselves has been since uh, becoming missionaries? I tell them to take a break. It's my turn right now. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Uh, for me, I think learning just to be patient with people because, you know, sometimes it's frustrating when your thoughts don't line up with other people's thoughts and like you may think your way is a good way and they may think their way is a good way and oftentimes you'll say something and be like, hey, let's do it this way. This way works just as good as your way. But uh, like I'll give you an example. Um, I use these like fish traps over there and the way they do it is they wait out in the water and stick sticks kind of crossing over the basket so it doesn't float up to the surface. Well, I was like, I don't want to get my feet wet every time I check the basket. So I was like, what if I tie a rock and a rope and I stick the rope in the mud next to the water and I throw it out. And so that was working, but they're like, Ian, no, you're doing it wrong. And almost every time I had one or two people who would come over and they would kind of give me grief every time they saw me doing it that way. And, you know, but uh, just learning to be patient in situations like that and knowing that they have their ways and their culture, the way that they want to do things. And not every time it is, are they going to want to change or uh, think that your way is going to work, even though it might work better. And, uh, but I'm just thankful that uh, God can move through that. And uh, you, you find ways to work around it. So sometimes I just check the baskets before they can even get there. That way I kind of keep it out of sight, out of mind. And yeah, but you know, it's just, that's their culture. That's all they've ever known. And they grew up learning the things from their parents and from the people around them. And so sometimes they won't want to adapt to new things. I think for me, it's just being grateful for what you have and being thankful that you have it because there's so many people that you don't even realize, like people living in tin shacks, um, they don't have health care, a lot of them don't go to school, and all these different things that we take for granted, whether it's hot running water and unlimited Wi-Fi, or uh, even the simple things that we a lot of times don't see, like a car that runs with no problems <laughs> down the road. <laughs> um, but just being able to take nothing for granted in life, um, I think that's one of the biggest things for me. All right, that's great. I wanna, uh, again, thank you guys all so much for joining us. I know the kids have to uh, step away and do some, some schoolwork, but I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing with us today. So looking forward to hearing from you guys in a little bit. So kids, um, thanks again, and we'll be in touch soon. All right, so now we're back. The kids are off to school. And uh, again, Drew and Jessica, thanks for coming and 
today, I know a celebration center, I'm excited to have them share with all of us today, kind of what God's put on their heart, um, their, their journey as missionaries and what they have for us. So would you guys all, I know that uh, this is pre-recorded, but would you guys all just give me a hand in, in welcoming them uh, to our church? So thank you guys so much. And uh, it's all yours. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting us and allowing us to share our hearts with you. And uh, we're excited to return to Liberia here soon. And uh, I'm just thankful for the prayers and, and support of our Open Bible family here in the States. And it's been a, a challenging year for us, for sure, um, with my dad passing last year in July, unexpected. And, and with COVID, it's been an uncertain season. There's been some some winds and, and some storms, but we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he's helping us to be ready to return. It's been a season of uh, just being renewed and, and refreshed and ready to pour out again in a very difficult um, country. Um, the country of Liberia has just faced so many struggles and, and hardships. And so I actually want to allow my wife just to share a little bit about what we're going to be doing when we return. Uh, the first couple of years, we were really focused on getting our feet on the ground, really getting to know our pastors and leaders there in Liberia, and uh, just trying to get our bearings, really, because we haven't had missionaries there long-term since 1980, 1981. So been almost 40 years since they've had missionaries there. And uh, so there's been a little bit of a process of uh, getting to know each other again. There's been some communication, but there's been some gaps and the Lord's been healing those and helping us to work together. And we really have seen God's favor in all of that. But when we, re when we return, we're gonna be focusing our ministry in at the Legacy Learning Center. So I'll allow my wife to, to share about that. Um, yeah, so Legacy Learning Center is um, was recently constructed, um, and it's a building that we're going to be using to teach literacy education. Um, that's the vehicle uh, to which we will use to ultimately spread the gospel. But um, in 1980, when the um, former missionaries left Liberia, right after that, um, Liberia went through about 24 years of civil war and coups, and 14 of those years, there was no functioning education system in the country. And so um, out of the need for um, so many people who are illiterate, there's probably about 51% of the population is considered illiterate. It might be a little more than that. Um, but um, when, when Liberian children go through um, the education system, we're finding that um, there is a, there's a glass ceiling that's created. And what I mean by that is the, the graduating seniors um, are graduating with the um, reading level of about our second graders, um, which really, if you look at the scheme of things in life, it's really hard to do a whole lot with a second grade um, level reading. Uh, capacity. So, um, so our goal is to really uh, educate an, a, a population that has been uneducated um, in, in the literacy realm for a number of years. Um, and just to be able to open up the Word of God to them and with them and allow them to divide the Word of God for themselves. So um, that's really the heart and soul of legacy is, is just you know, to be able to minister to people through the word and um, we're using the vehicle of literacy education. Um, 
legacy will also be a place where we can train and um, pastors and teachers um, to be able to, to you know, continue the cycle of literacy, continue the cycle of um, church planting and those types of things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, why not? Talking. Oh, well, <laughs> so let me just share just real quick um, two slides. Hopefully this will work for us. Oh, that's okay. It's not going to allow us to do that because something in the settings, but that's okay. So, um, yeah, so Legacy really um, is a ministry for, for our family on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, that we're, we're, we're in charge of. Uh, when we answered the call to go to Liberia, um, we, we didn't go with the intention of taking over for our nationals. Uh, they were empowered in 1980 to be in charge of the work there, created their own constitution and their own bylaws. They have their own leadership. And so we work alongside of them. And, but Legacy will be a place where we'll, we'll have our own responsibilities as we continue to work alongside of them to help oversee. There's 32 plus churches, uh, 12 plus schools, humanitarian aid, self-help, I mean, a wide variety of things as we help to oversee the whole work that's, that's taking place, you know, in Liberia. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of need, you know, all around the world. And, um, you know, for us, God is the one that he, he opened the door, you know, to Liberia for us. They, they are our neighbors. And it talks about love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the, the Liberians are really a part of our family, as I shared earlier, our heritage. And we met a lot of Liberians in the U.S. And, um, but we never wanted to open that door ourselves. We wanted it to be clearly the Lord that opened that door. And, and um, the Lord's been faithful to do that you know, and um, by him confirming, it gives us uh, a confidence, you know, uh, to keep doing what we're doing in the midst of the uh, challenging uh, environment, you know, that it is. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about partnering with, you know, churches and inviting them to be a part of what God is doing in Liberia, you know, I was thinking about what would I, what would be my perspective as a pastor in the States, you know, concerning outreach, concerning missions, um, you know, if, if I was to share as a shepherd, a local, you know, what would I say, you know, what would be the word that I would, that I would share, and so that's a little bit of what I want to talk about uh, this morning with you all, and um, I think there's really three things that, you know, I would, I would share. And uh, I like to group it in the terms of inreach, outreach, and global reach. And I really think it's important that we have all three of those pieces, you know, in, in the local body of Christ. And the first one is, when I say inreach, I'm talking about the fellowship of, of believers, talking about the household of God. And in Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And it's really an important, important piece. And I know for, for us, in our, in our journey, where we were a part of a local church for 18 years before we went on the mission field, that you know, we, you know, we, couldn't, we couldn't have done it without them. You know, there was a point when our house was flooded, two feet of water from the Susquehanna River, and elders from our church took us in for weeks, 
You know, when my wife had a stroke uh, about eight, nine years ago, our church family uh, ministered to us through meals and clean cleanup teams. And um, I mean, it really was just jaw dropping to see the love of Jesus poured out through um, our sisters and, and brothers in the faith. And I think that, you know, is an important, an important piece of when we're looking at ministry, um, you know, that we aren't overlooking those that are within our own house, you know, but we can't become so inwardly focused that, that that's, that's it. And that, that's all that we're doing. You know, the next piece is with outreach. And um, I think of that more of uh, the local community. And uh, we're all very familiar with the verses about the Great Commission and, and going out and sharing and, you know, getting outside of our, our four walls. And um, I've read two books that really challenge me in that arena. One of them is called uh, Servolution and the other is Conspiracy of Kindness, where it's talking about servant evangelism and just different ways that you can reach out and meet needs that are in the community. Servolution really focuses in on almost like being a first responder in the community when there's needs. You know, so many of um, the needs today are being met by government programs or other places when the church has been called to minister to the hurting and to the poor and to the widows and the orphans. And when I look at scripture and when I look at giving, it has one of the most consistent things that I see Genesis to Revelation is God's concern for those that are in need. And it's through those moments of brokenness, it's through those moments of need, you know, that people are receptive, you know, to see the, the love of Jesus you know, poured out through action and not just through, you know, words or come to our church. But um, in Servolution, it talks about actually beating the ambulance or the, or the, the uh, um, you know, the fire truck to the fire at someone's house. And they're ready to have meals or have blankets or, and um, just the ministry that blew, blew up out of that, just huge, the way God was able to use that. And, um, you know, in, in Liberia, we're, we're surrounded, you know, with, with needs just constantly, um, bombarded. And that's one of the things that I ask you to pray for us about is just the wisdom and knowing how to navigate uh, that situation. Everywhere we go, we stand out. We're oftentimes called out from across the street. Hey, white woman. Hey, white man. You know, I want cold water. I want, I want a drink. I want something. Give me something. Because the white man has, uh, I mean, we do. We, we, we have more than, than they have. You know, in the States, you know, our missionary salary is, I would say, we're on the lower side, you know, for an American family. But when we go to Liberia, we're wealthy, you know, to them. And, and they see us as potentially having the means to help them and, and to provide for them. And so we're constantly bombarded, even within our, our churches, um, pastors, neighbors. Um, and uh, I mean, just to give you an example, they don't understand that we have a pet dog. And they're like, well, we want to eat your dog. I'm like, no, you're not, you're not going to eat our dog, <laughs> you know, but there are actually people that come around and, and uh, give our mission director a hard time, you know, and so we're trying to um, live a balanced life where there, there's a lot of luxuries and, and things that we've given up, you know, from the States, as my daughter shared a little bit earlier, um, and trying to be amongst the people and live as, as they're living. Um, but we're oftentimes torn, you know, and uh, we really pray for, for wisdom in those situations when we, when we go out, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I think that's really, really key because we can't meet all of the needs, but maybe there's one person in front of us that the Lord wants us to meet that need. And
Uh, sometimes we're, we're able and sometimes we're not able, but at times we, that weighs, especially weighs heavy on me, you know, the Lord, um, you know, he had compassion on, on people. And uh, it's, it, when we have the father's heart, it's hard not to have compassion. And you know, how do you look into the face of someone that is struggling, um, the face of poverty or hungry or a medical need and to walk away from that? And um, it's, it's difficult, you know, that part is challenging, but you know, um, two scriptures that uh, I like to refer to um, when remembering the poor in Galatians 2.10, here James, Peter, and John um, are together, and they, uh, they were accepting, I believe it was Paul and Barnabas, and, and, they, and after they had talked about how they accepted them, they said in, in, in verse 10, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And of all the things that um, they, they could have shared or told them to do, or um, that the, the thing, the very thing they told them to do is to remember the poor. I don't know, that just really strikes me. And um, sometimes we get so caught up in um, doctrine or our view, uh, our view of things. Um, and, uh, you know, God, God had a heart for the poor. He had a heart for the needy and the brokenhearted. And that's why he's anointed us to go forth and, you know, to share the good news of, of Jesus. And uh, in the midst of, you know, where we are in Liberia, when you know you, you can't, you don't necessarily have the silver or gold, but what I have, you know, that they need, which is, which is Jesus, um, you know, that we, we try to keep that perspective that Jesus is enough, you know, that what he did on the cross is enough. At the same time, when you're looking at an apparent need, you know, and, and trying to balance that, um, you know, the gospel on one hand and, and meeting a need in the natural, you know, um, Liberia is textbook, um, if you've ever read the book, When Helping Hurts. And um, it's common for, actually, I was just reading a post today on Facebook from another missionary asking for advice that had a short-term missions person that had come over and they wanted to give all this money to one family for food. And we were discussing as, as missionaries, the challenge of that. Um, what happens when that, that money runs out or the other families around that, that get jealous and there's just, it's, it's complicated and you feel the need because you, you see the poverty, you see the hurt, um, you know, and, and sometimes you do meet that need. You may feed them, you may, you know, give them something, but how do you balance that? How do we help them long-term? I mean, ultimately we want to see them saved. You know, we want them to share in the, in the glory and the presence of Jesus, um, the other scripture is from James 1.27. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And again, you know, sometimes, in, you know, as pastors and we travel a lot and I'm dealing with churches in Liberia, churches in the U.S., there's sometimes things get a little bit messy. You know, the church isn't perfect. And, uh, and I'm thinking, wow, like religion that is pure and faultless is looking after orphans and widows. And, um, you know, I think we have to be careful that we're not in a place of judgment over those that we're helping. How are they going to use this help? I mean, we, we prefer to actually give them physical food over giving them dollars, you know, um, obviously use some wisdom with that. But uh, God clearly has a heart, you know, for those that are hurting. There's a promise in Psalms 41.1 in the Amplified. It said, blessed by God's grace and compassion is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will save him in the day of trouble. 
And, uh, you know, God, you know, speaks about in multiple places, um, just about how we're, we're, we're supposed to be ready, you know, to minister and, and to pour out and, and to share what we have. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's a challenge, you know, that in reach, that outreach, and then we come to the, the global reach. And I really like, uh, Psalm 67, and I'll go ahead and read this short chapter. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be, may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God our God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. And there's a lot of different scriptures we could look at, but God has a heart for the nations. We know that he wants every tribe, every nation, every tongue to be represented. represented. We know that the Lord says that he is patient with everyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to a place of repentance. And, uh, you know, each and every one of us have a sphere of influence. We have a people that we're, we're called to. It can be family, it can be friends, coworkers, wherever it is. You know, Jesus is the ultimate example. He was the ultimate missionary being sent from heaven to earth. And we too are sent, you know, we're sent to those round about us. And I think sometimes we can lose that perspective. Um, when I was teaching for 13 years, I'm like, when is God going to send me? When is God going to send me? You know, but he'd already sent, you know, he had sent me to the school, you know, and uh, I was able to minister there. And I can't say that I always did a great job of, of uh, keeping that perspective, you know, but uh, I was already a full-time missionary in my, in my school setting. He just happened to transfer us now to another continent and uh, with it, you know, being Liberia. But we're all called, you know, we're all called to, to share and to minister um, that those that we're around, you know, I um, saw another Facebook post, we're on different missionary expat groups, and um, someone had asked, how would you describe being a missionary? And um, one of our friends who actually built the Legacy Learning Center, that's part of his ministry, is he disciples his um, construction crew and their families. But his response was, we are a Christian family living in Liberia. I was like, wow, that's like really simple. Like, but it's really true. And, you know, it, it really um, spoke to me because sometimes we think that we have to do something, I don't know, like Billy Graham or Franklin Graham or, you know, I got to plant so many churches or to be the good missionary, to be the awesome missionary, this is, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to have evidence of something tangible to prove or to show to those that are supporting us or whatever. And, and um, you know, I'm still meditating on that. We are a family called of God, sent of God to Liberia to walk out our faith in Liberia. And it's to minister to our friends. It's to minister to our neighbors, to minister um, through the Legacy Learning Center. We're reaching out to, it's really, a, it's a rough place. There's a lot of uh, rogues and zogos, basically thieves, um, and, uh, that's, that's where he's, he's called us to be. And, um, you know, as, as I was thinking about, um, there's, there's so many places nowadays to, to, to be able to give, you know, when I was working with the nonprofit, uh, um, there's a lot of different places where, where people can send their money, you know, and, and things that they can support. And just thinking about that, um, 
you know, as, as a missionary, first of all, like that was the last thing I wanted to do, you know, is go around and travel and, and raise funds. And, and, uh, you know, um, the Lord really had to minister to my heart. First of all, that we were called of him, that it wasn't our call. He's called us to be ambassadors. He's opened the door and the path for us to, to go and to be there, you know, and I think if I was on the other end of it, well, we've had a lot of missionaries come to our church. You know, you want to know that God's in it. Is this mm -hmm. God? And, um, you know, is the Lord leading and directing this couple or, you know, how do you see the Lord working in their life? You know, um, and so, you know, um, in this season that we've been in, which has been challenging this, this last year, um, as I look back and I look at where God has brought us from, uh, it really helps to edify myself. The Bible says to write down the revelation and uh, different things that God has spoken to us over time. We, we've written it down. We have a journal of those things that God has spoken. And when we look at where God has brought us from, it helps to give us confidence. He's going to take us to where he wants us to go. And um, just to, I just want to touch on it is not, not that it's about us, but just even just for me to have the opportunity to share and reflect on where God has brought us from, just to see, you know, his divine hand, it almost brings me to tears, just to see God's divine hand upon our lives, and that we can trust him with where we're at and with where we're going. And um, uh, I know I've, I've shared at Creekside where you were at before, Pastor Dustin, some of this, but um, Celebration Center, you know, new people, a new place, but um, in God's story, I don't think ever, ever gets old, but you know, um, I had shared a little bit earlier, I rededicated my life to the Lord in college. I was running from God. And, uh, but I knew the Lord from the time I was young. I had tasted and seen that he was good. And remember his presence, just singing out, you know, to the Lord as a small child. And, um, you know, but uh, it really wasn't until March of 2000, where I really felt the Lord was, was calling me, you know, into the ministry. And I was one of those hide in the luggage kind of people, you know, Lord, not me. I don't want to talk in front of people. And, and uh, the Lord gradually worked on me, and you know, you are going to share, you are going to preach my gospel, and so I was ready. I'm like, Lord, where where do you want me to go? That was in 2000, but uh, He had me to be planted in a local church and to grow. The vision was correct, but the timing wasn't quite right. Quite right. I had a stubborn, rebellious spirit, and uh, the Lord had to deal with me with that. And um, looking back, you see God's hand in that. You know. Um, our pastor was preaching on a series and I didn't really like the series too much. And I uh, actually got up and uh, went out of the church. I walk around the block, get myself calmed down and then come back and sit back down. And uh, after one of those little rounds, uh, the Lord spoke to me. I needed to submit to my pastor. And I knew it was God because I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and I wrestled with that for about six months. And then finally, I went to the pastor and talked to him in the office and said, look, this is what God told me. I don't know what it means fully, but I told him, we are here and we're not leaving this church without your blessing. And, you know, that started a journey of, you know, learning to serve um, in the local church and fit with the pastor's vision. And there was different things that we, how we grew along the way. But um, when the timing was right, it made it that much, you know, sweeter. But we committed, you know, to be there. And um, the Lord then had me go and meet with my, my grandfather, the one that was a missionary in Africa. And he prayed a prayer over me, like Elijah to Elisha. 
and I was around 2006, and I remember the feeling of a mantle being placed um, upon me, and I remember it feeling so heavy, and that I wasn't ready to step into that, like, wow, I can, there's no way I can be like the great missionary Bob Welch and all these stories that I hear. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ready for that, you know. Um, then, you know, later, um, you know, I had a, uh, I've had some visions and dreams. Um, actually, I'll finish with one of those there. But, uh, you know, we had words prophesied over us way back that um, our family would go through a major squeezing. It would be like a painful trial. And out of that, ministry would come forth. And um, what ended up happening is my wife actually went through um, a squeezing in her carotid artery where it broke down and uh, released blood clots um, up into her brain. And she had a stroke in 2012. And uh, working through that, that season was challenging and difficult. Um, but it was in March of 2014. So it had been almost two years of dealing with almost constant pain. Um, and that's a, that's a story in and of itself. But it was when I finally said to the Lord, I place my family into your hands. My wife's life, because there was points on like, you know, is you gonna, are you going to take my wife's life? And, you know, you, when your kids come up to you, is mommy going to die? And, um, but when I, when I placed, I, when I trusted the Lord with my wife, when I trusted the Lord with my kids, the Lord spoke the seasons are getting ready to change. And um, my wife, had, the Lord had already been speaking to her that I see a period of a coming and going. And that's um, that same summer when I ended up preaching my first message. It was on our anniversary. I spoke about cutting covenant with God and the promises of God. And um, it was, uh, I, I declared from the pulpit that something was getting ready to happen. I didn't know what it was. Literally, I know a month later that the nonprofit was going to ask me to come in as a board member. And I submitted that to my pastor and he said, this is the Lord. And, you know, I ended up taking my first trip to Liberia in 2015. And then when I came back uh, to the States, I went to Open Bible headquarters. We weren't in an Open Bible church. We were in a non-denominational church. I was just looking to see how can we connect our Open Bible ministry in Liberia stronger, you know, with Open Bible in Des Moines. And, um, you know, in 2016, Vince McCarty, our global missions director, um, had emailed me because we had developed a relationship and asked if I wanted to go to Liberia with him. And my cousin, Mike Moore, was going to be traveling with him and they had proposed the dates in the email. And I replied back, oh, we'll see you there. We're already going to be there on the ground. And we were only for a three week trip. It was a divine appointment. And we were really praying about what our covering should be like, you know, in like, do we form another nonprofit for our personal support? We didn't even think it was possible. in Liberia, uh, again, with Open Bible, because they had nationalized the work. And then Vince says, no, we have an, an option. There's a, there's a missionaries at large option. And, and so as we continued to progress, the Lord had um, just opened doors. At that point, I already had been credentialed with Open Bible. Um, they, the Liberians had been praying for a missionary to come back. They, I didn't know this, but they had been asking multiple times for a missionary to come back. And the answer was no, no, no. And um, when, we, when we got there, they, they said our Liberian name was Bawulu, which means answer to prayer. And uh, they were very, very close to disconnecting themselves from international ministries uh, for a variety of reasons. There are some things on both sides of that, but relationships get broken when there's not strong communication. And um, 
We've seen God's favor over and over again. I'm just telling you just some of the highlights of seeing God's hand. We needed a place to stay when we first went to Liberia. We didn't know where we were going to be. And so now we're on a Hope 2 compound. Um, we came in contact with them through a website. I was just trying to learn more about Liberia. And um, I visited there in 2015. And by 2017, we had answered the call to, to go to Liberia. Well, we meet with them. They're not too far from us here in Indianapolis. And we start talking. I knew they had a lodge that we might be able to stay at. And they start sharing about how they just brought a Liberian um, American on staff. And his name was uh, Sokin, Sokin Payne. And I said, Sokin Payne? I said, does he also go by the name Emmett? And they looked at us like, what? Like, how do you know this? And so I, I texted my dad just to confirm it real quick. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so um, I actually have pictures of my grandfather with Sokin. He was one of my dad's interpreters from way back. And uh, he was the assistant pastor of the church of the Buchanan Open Bible Standard Church. And so here we are living on a campus, um, Hope 2 campus, it's not an open Bible property. And the Lord was able to make that connection. And we've been able to meet with Sokin in Liberia and in the States and talk about open Bible of old and, and where we are now. And there's just been so many things that when I look back and I reflect and, and uh, thank you for just letting me share, you know, that and uh, that I can trust the Lord um, to fulfill the things that he's spoken over our lives. And there's many things that we haven't seen. And um, we already know that Liberia is just one nation, and that's where we are now. But we know that there's a call to the nations. And, um, but there's things in Liberia that aren't, that aren't done yet. You know, we're just getting started. And, you know, and the Lord just really revealed, even from the book of 2 Kings, when I was studying there, uh, just reminded me about that Elijah to Elisha. Uh, right before I got the invitation to come on as a board meeting, that there's going to be a season of casting salt into the water, a season of rebuilding. And then in, in 2 Kings chapter 3, it talks about digging ditches, new ditches. And the Lord was able to fill those ditches with water. And, um, you know, so we're just in a place where uh, we're, we're trusting the Lord. It, it's uh, um, been a challenging year, but... Uh, we're, we're standing on his promises. We're standing on what he has spoken. You know, um, uh, we have a number of different words and, and, and things just confirmed in our hearts. But, uh, you know, um, I'll just leave you, I'll leave you with this. Um, one of the, the dreams that I had and um, actually wrote a, a message article um, about it was of... This was way back, um, early 2000s, of I saw all these dead bodies, and they were black bodies, just heaped up, just piled up. And uh, in, this, in this dream that I had, um, I had knelt down, and there was a, a child, and I was wiping the tears off of this child's face. And uh, I didn't share this dream with anyone for quite a while until we were actually at a reunion with some Liberians in, in Boston. And um, he shared that when they were in the war and uh, they started a singing group to minister to the people as they were running for their lives, that they came across a pile of, of dead bodies like that. And uh, that that vision was from the Lord. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us in Revelations chapter 7, Verse 17 says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I know this is speaking of a time in the future, but I believe it's also speaking to here and now what we're called to do. And that, that is to help to wipe away the tears of, of those that we're ministering to. And uh, we just thank you um, for praying for us, supporting us in whatever way you, know, you feel in your heart uh, to do. We know that we're called to the Lord and it gives us confidence to serve where we are. Thank you for having us. God bless. Thank you guys so much for uh, for sharing with us today. That's uh, some incredible stories and incredible things that you've shared. I know that they uh, they struck me deep, and I'm uh, I love that we get to partner together in this. That we get to I get to connect with you and see you, um, even though it's not often. I love these opportunities that we have just to hear of what God's doing in your guys' hearts and your families. So thank you for all you do um, for for the kingdom. You know, and the way you guys have given your life to go do what God's put on your hearts. That's uh, that's incredible. So thank you so much for following that call. And uh, let me let me pray for you guys before we uh, end our time together. Okay. <clears throat> uh, God, I thank you so much for uh, for the Welch family. God, I thank you that um, that they are just being the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus in their lives. God, that that they've answered the call that you've given them uh, to go out and to, uh, to make disciples. And and God, they they didn't just take that call here in America. God, they took it overseas. And I thank you so much for their hearts to do so, for the sacrifices they've given, but also for the for the blessings that they get to share with us that they've received uh, through this and the the stories that they have and the lives that they're changing because they've answered the call, God. So I I pray a blessing upon their family, God, that you allow them to be um, just just successful in, in their mission, God, that they're able to change lives and ultimately point people to you in this journey. So God, I pray that you allow them to get resources, you allow them to get rest and energy and excitement. And you just, I pray that they see just the world changed because of uh, the call you've put on their heart, God. And I thank you so much for their family and that, um, that they have an amazing time doing what you've called them to do. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys again so much for uh, for sharing. I know I'm excited to, uh, to partner with you some more and hear about the great things God is doing uh, through you guys. So thanks again, and you guys have a great day. Isn't that incredible what, what God is doing in that family? And I know I get real encouraged when I just hear stories of people that, that have done that, that have said, hey, we're going to go do. And it may not look the same for everybody. You know, some people, I believe, are, are called to their community called to their school, called to their workplace, and some people like them are called to go overseas. So it's, I think it's incredible that we get to partner with the Welches. And in the south foyer by the coffee bar is a stack of cards. If you feel led to support the Welches, whether it's a one-time gift, just a thank you, here's what we can do for you guys now, or even on an ongoing basis, however you feel called, even if it's uh, through prayer, whatever, take one of these cards. Their contact information is on the back. There's a website that you can go to that talks all about what they're doing, how they do it, and how you can be a part of, of their mission. Would you all stand with me today? It's a big thing to go. And like I said, it looks different for everybody, but I'm excited to be a place, a, a part of a church where we get the privilege of going and we get the privilege of serving those who do go. So be encouraged today as, uh, as you pray about how we can go as a church and how we can support those around us who have gone before us. Amen. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get the privilege of serving. We get the, the privilege of serving you, a God who, uh, who modeled it when, he, when Jesus was here and how we get to partner with you as we go and spread your word and your love and your compassion to our neighbors around us. So God, I pray that you resonate this with our hearts and you give us excitement and encouragement as we celebrate going and serving you. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen.